People of the world, welcome to Marketing as a Foreign Language, episode 242. Today on the show, we have a sales guru. Doesn't that word get used too much? A guru, really? Are they a guru? They're an expert. They're a sales trainer. Um, his name is Sean Channel, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show, and I'll tell you why. When I was a young boy, I was 19 years old. No, I was 20. How old was I? I was young, and I was sitting in a cubicle. And in an empty office space, and there are all of these uh, just empty chairs and empty phones. And I was like the one sales guy. It was very awkward. And uh, there were two owners, and they sold auto parts on the phone. And let me tell you, there is no torture quite like the torture of being someone who doesn't know anything about cars. I knew nothing. And I was cold calling random auto body shops to try to get them to buy parts that I couldn't even tell you what they were. And just call after call after call. It was like I made no money. Um, I maybe made like $200 the entire summer. And I just was emotionally abused by these people who are like, just hang up on you. They're like, go to hell. Like It was the worst emotional torture ever. Obviously very happy I went through it. Because now I'm selling something that I understand, that I believe in. Um, I also understood that teaching, although teaching your first few years, because I was a teacher, is rough. That sales, oof, 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 oof. I mean, you got to take us, you got to eat a slice of humble pie, man, <laughs> for real. If you're going to be a salesperson, because it it hurts. And then if you want to be a business owner, like I somehow managed to become then you also have to understand that not only do you have to continuously eat a slice of humble pie, but you have to teach other people how to do that as well. And so teaching salespeople is a skill set that in a capitalist environment is so incredibly important, which is why I am thrilled to have the one, the only, the salesman himself, cue the fog machine. I need confetti cannons. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Sean Channel. That that might be the best introduction I've had. Let's go, Sean. Let's go. So here's my problem. I don't. I just want a lot of money without having to do anything. Can you help me with that? You just want a lot of money without doing anything. Yeah. Do I have to do stuff? Well, I mean, you have to. Yes, you have to do stuff. I okay, mean, all right, fine. okay, all right. Then we agree. Then we agree on at least that. <laughs> um, so all of these salespeople running around um, early on—they're just—are they not just going to get emotionally just just beat down by rejection? Is that almost always the case? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, um, I've worked with thousands of new new salespeople at this point, and they. The ones that come in that think they're not going to get the emotional toll are the ones that have the biggest area to fall, right? Like the, <laughs> they end up crashing the hardest because they think they're not going to be impacted by the sheer amount of rejection, and almost always uh, they 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 stumble, and it's hard on their ego. Yeah. Do you think that there's a correlation between the way we raise our children in public school and that entire system? If you work hard, you'll get an A. Just do these things and you will be rewarded with the best possible results. You know, or if you kind of like do halfways, you get a B or a C. And, and that whole frame is not sales at 
all. It is a completely different beast. So do you think that a lot of the suffering that people have is due to just never having experience that's anything like it? Yeah, I mean, I think, first off, we as a society avoid rejection at all costs, right? It's in the school systems and it's in our sports systems. It's, it's, it's in everything, right? We don't like rejection and, and that's fair. Um, and there's some, I guess, similarities. I mean, the, you have to put in effort and you have to put in work to see success in sales, right? Um, so that in an aspect is similar to school. If you don't put in work, you're not going to get an A. But we, you know, and I'm, I'm horrible at this. Uh, fortunately, our youngest is, he's picked up a lot of the sales acumen, right? And he's a great little salesperson. And I've always said that kids are the best salespeople. Um, mm -hmm. They just don't, the word no doesn't mean anything to them, right? We, we train that into them, but when they're young, they just keep asking, right? Can I have some ice cream? You're like, no. And then they're like, why not? And you're like, because I said so. And they're like, well, why is that a good reason? And they just keep, you know, and then they start bartering. I'll clean my room. I'll be quiet. I'll eat my dinner, right? Like they, they're just <laughs> little salespeople. Um, but we do, we train that out. So I think you're spot on that the system. There might be something there. Yeah, there might be yeah. something there. Shout out to uh, DJ Night Train writing. I love it. Sales is the ish. So whatever that means. And then Caroline Welsh, not to mention the participation, the participation trophy. Um, so yeah, like my daughter the other day, she took all of her art to the park and she just went person by person. She's like, art for sale. Have you not seen the art for sale? Come see the art for sale. Like just unabashed, does not care. And then uh, when she was selling it, she'd have like a $20 price tag and people would be like, I got four cents. She's like, I'll take it. <laughs> to take any quantity of money that they had <laughs> from whatever her dollar amount was. Oh, it was the cutest thing. So she made $3.40 or $3.44. And um, and then she gave $2 of that to her, her secret crush. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I mean. <laughs> How funny is that, dude? She's seven. Um, wheeling and dealing dude. and private people. I mean, she's she's all getting things. people. Oh, I would give my, it's like the, her, the best investment in her mind was two, it was more than half of her profits. Just give it to her, her, you know, the love of her life. <laughs> um, oh, too funny. Um, so yeah, sales is, uh, it's, it's so horrifying until it isn't, you know, I can't explain it any, any other way. It's because now I just don't even, it doesn't phase me, you know, at all. I've, I walked into, I'll tell you this story. I walked into a room with uh, this company and literally this guy, you know, arms crossed and yeah, doing the whole thing. And he's like, you don't rank for SEO Las Vegas. You're like, what should I hire you for SEO? You know, and I'm like, okay, here we go. I was like, well, I was in a company before this, before I started my own and we did rank number one. And guess what? The phone didn't ring. So ranking well for an SEO related term when you're an SEO company isn't this magical panacea that you would think it would be. And oh yeah, it took us seven years to get there. And do you want to know how many resources it took? It just wasn't the right move. B2B is not B2C. But you know what I'm saying? It's like it being prepared and ready and you know, this sort of so so when you um when you're doing sales trainings, do you ever miss just selling, you know? and just, just being a sales guy and just so much easier and don't, you know, cause training is, you know, it can be so, I don't know, it's teaching, right? It is. Well, I mean, now as a business owner, I get to do both. Um, right. So, you know, I'm part of my ownership is I'm selling, but as a sales uh, trainer, as a sales leader, 
one of my training tactics was to, I always kept a list of prospects and I would put my, you know, either my team or the, the class in a room and I would just make cold calls and I'd let them listen to me um, oh. do that. Cold calls uh, for your sales training or cold calls for? Yeah, I mean, it was just, here, let me show you what I'm talking about. And I would- No, 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 but, no, no, but what I'm saying is like, what was the, what were you selling on the cold call? Oh, whatever I was, whatever product or service we were selling as a company, right? So- So like, they, so you'd go into their company and they're selling Widget X. And so you would do a cold call for Widget X? Widget X, yeah. Dude, that's so sick. I love that. Um, well- there's two reasons. One, one, you you got to keep as a trainer. I believe you have to keep yourself fresh, right? Like you know, there's there's nuances that change over time, even if the basics are the same. And so you have to you know test your skills. But nothing earns the respect of your team, your your class, right? Of a, anybody of saying, look, I'll hop on the phone right now and show you exactly what I'm trying to accomplish and how it should sound. And you get a lot of buy-in when you're willing to jump on the phone and make a cold call. And so yeah. to me, that was always a way of feeding that urge to sell because um, I do like it. I mean, once you've gotten good at it, it's a game. Mm. It's a challenge. It's, it's, there's a, it's a competition, right? Like, how do I turn this total stranger into a friend? Um, but then you also, there's a lot of side benefits from, from a leadership perspective of earning that respect, setting the example, having a reference point for coaching um, conversations, all of those things come as a, as an end result of that too. So it's kept me on point uh, over the years. So uh, Dude, that's some that Jedi, approach. that's some Jedi stuff right there, you know, where you're willing to roll up. I wonder if you, uh, it would be so fascinating to see you doing like a keynote, you know, in front of like 500 people and just, do, 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 do. <laughs> you know, just, just, I'd be like, I'm gonna do four cold calls. We're just gonna see what happens. <laughs> Um, because there is a circle of hell. I don't know which one it is. I think it's the fifth or sixth circle of hell that is specifically reserved for cold calling, um, where, you know, you die and you made some egregious, horrifying sins, and then you're just forced to cold call for eternity or whatever, for however long it takes you to get out of there. Um, no, cold calling sucks. And, uh, I, I did it for that company, I also did it for one other, we were selling, th oh Lord, this is so funny. Like we thought that 3D televisions were gonna be like the next big thing, and they are obviously not, this was years ago. And um, so I was calling, I called the the VP of marketing for Landa Lakes, you know? So Landa Lakes yeah, is this yeah, huge yeah. dairy company. Where, and I get the voicemail, you're never supposed to leave voicemails, but I did, I'm like, I, and I was just in a mood, you ever get in a mood? And uh, I was just, I just talked about how much I love the people I work with. I was like, I love these people. They're amazing. You know, they deserve a shot. It's ridiculous. I was just going off, you know, and dude called me back and they got a meeting and, and it was a whole thing. So I learned a lesson there too, about just that being emotionally raw and sharing that with people. Sometimes it totally backfires and they hate you forever. They just hang up on you, but sometimes it works. Yeah, I mean, I, first off, I, I train people to leave voicemails. I don't think you should leave a voicemail every time you call, but voicemails are, have an impact. But yeah. your point, not pitching is part of the secret, right? Like a lot of yeah. sales methodology, sales training is based around pitching, and that's not the direction I go. It's, it's it, you know, your best course of action with a cold email, a cold call, uh, especially a cold voicemail, is to do something that most people don't, right? Yeah. You know, talk about your cat, right? Like, 
you know, <laughs> something that makes you stand out and look different than the guy who's given that 30 second elevator pitch, right? That, you know, right. You know what? There's there's so much truth to that. And I feel so bad because I've kind of extricated myself from the sales process and pat on the back. I'm good at it. It's the reason why I own a company, you know, and that's always been my pattern. It's just, you know, be wacky, be entertaining and don't talk about marketing. <laughs> you know, I'll just, I'll just talk about something, just get to know the person, whatever. And then usually they're the one that's like, okay, let's talk about a website. And I'm like, oh, okay, if we have to, you know, um, there's this great scene in the office where Michael Scott is sitting across from a, a client. Not sure if you're familiar with this particular scene and he takes them out to drinks and, and they spend like two hours just partying and having a lot of fun. And eventually the client's like, look, you're more expensive than the competitor. Like I can get it for cheaper. And Michael Scott's like, I know. And there's nothing I can do about it. It just is what it is, you know? And he's like, okay, I'll go. I'll keep with you anyway. Um, but just, I love it. Yeah. It's well, I mean, at the end of the day, we're buying from people, right? Like, you know, if, if, one of the, the things that you know I talk with some clients about, and I'm certainly not a marketing guru, right? This is not my territory, but there's this distinct difference between marketing and sales. And marketing is to get people your brand out there and get people potentially warmed up. But if marketing was the only thing that was necessary to close business, we wouldn't need salespeople, right? Like, oh, yeah, that, of course, that, that, of course. There's that change between getting them come to the sales conversation and then the sales conversation. And that's where the one-on-one -on -one piece comes in. That's where the, the personality comes in. That's where we become either, you know, partners, or we don't. And, um, you know, there's lots of different sales methodologies out there, but a lot of those sales methodologies are the reason that sales has such a bad rap. And, um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's some truth to that. I mean, I was just, God, I was like laying in my bed the other day and the, the doorbell rang and I like opened up my curtain. I'm on the second floor and I'm looking down and there's just these two like 12 year old girls with something. And I'm like, ugh, I'm not going to engage these girls. You know what I mean? Cause they wanted to sell me some chocolate or some random thing. And I'm like, bro, I'm not even going to talk to you. And it's just not gonna happen. Holy chat. Wow. That is, that is quite the chat we just received. Uh, okay. DJ Night Train writes, the sooner you don't look at it as rejection, the better off you'll be. That's true. Learning the ABCs off honing your chi. What are we talking about chi for? I realized my skill set had to increase and to reach a certain sales level. And that is a numbers game. That's true. Then I became successful with the willingness to do so in a pursuit. Um, yeah. So DJ Night Train coming at us with uh, some sales experience. Um, let me know if you have a question. Uh, and I train for Sean. Um, so I obviously own a marketing agency and we're starting to do social media trainings um, because just as a lead gen sort of thing, yeah. you know? Um, so for me, there's two benefits. There's, you know, the, the fact that I get to grow my staff into that sort of world. We could potentially sell it. So it could be a revenue driver, but it's also a great way to get in front of businesses, you know, um, so how do you get clients that are willing to pay you for sales training? Uh, well, there's been lots of kind of uh, different revenues at this point. A lot of it's been uh, referral based. Um, yeah. I'm getting a lot of, you know, I'm building a network that has referred me. 
I've also done some keynote speaking that has resulted in uh, clients as well. Yep. I've seen a little bit of um, interest. I've got some leads certainly from being on podcasts and shows like yours. So that's been a, an impact. The social media aspects, uh, I've got a pretty large uh, say LinkedIn following or you know connection base, and that's even brought in some leads. So it's it's been, there's not has been a consistent or a overly significant aspect of how I'm bringing in clients to date. It's really been a, a true melting pot at this point where I'm just, you know, little bits from different avenues. And uh, the marketing side is definitely where I've had to do the most learning. <laughs> as an um, but I mean, I send, I send prospecting emails. I, I make cold calls. I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing lots of different components and all of them have been giving me some return on that investment. So, okay. Yeah. Marketing is a black hole. It just, it will just suck all energy, you know, and sometimes it'll spit out money, you know, like the, the North South, you know, little like lights that shoot out of black holes. Um, but uh, yeah, as, as someone who's been in marketing for so many years, it's, it's just like sales. It's that same level of nausea where you're, where you can, for example, Google ads, you can just, you can light money on fire is the easiest thing on planet earth to just create a little bonfire. You're toasty for about two seconds. Then you're like, well, that wasn't worth it. Um, and so in my experience, you can't have a mediocre team. You just can't because you're just, it, you have to be excellent or just don't do it. There's no point. Um, good example is like, thousand word blocks with custom graphics are required if you're going to blog at all nowadays, right? There's no point in writing those with no photos. Like there's no pointless. Um, having a show is almost a prerequisite in 2021, you know, to, to getting a company to get a foothold. Um, and then every individual social media platform is insanely, how do you put it? It's the, the discipline one has to have in every one of these platforms now, LinkedIn. Are you good at LinkedIn? Well, then you're probably not good at Google ads. Are you good at Facebook ads? Well, then you're probably not good at SEO. Are you good at SEO? Well, you're probably not good at web design. Are you good at web design? Well, you're probably not a good graphic designer. And I get these resumes where they're like, they, they list all of them. Everyone still does that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, why do you do that? Is sales like that? Where people are like, I'm good at cold calling. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. And you're like, no, you're not. Um, you know, the market, the industry has tried to separate those two things. Um, mm. It's There are people that are good at farming, right? But And, and when I say farming, they're good at working, they're, they're customer service reps, right? Like that, and to me, that's not sales. Like you can do a good job of supporting your client and keep that business and maybe even grow it a little bit, but you're not really selling, right? They're just- That's right. Um, and then there's the hunting side. And to me, if you, when I work with companies, especially smaller companies, I'm saying, let's just find hunters, right? Let's just find hunters and let's focus on the hunting side of the business versus, you know, if you want to grow sales within your existing clientele, cool, let's hire a hunting to do that, right? Let, mm -hmm. Let's hire a hunter who just goes to your existing customers and hunts for new lines of business. It's hunting for business that makes it's really sales. Um, you know, I don't. I work with a lot of people who have come from say retail sales, but there's a big 
difference between making a cold call and having someone walk to the store and saying, hey, can you help me pick out this pair of jeans or this pair dude, of sunglasses? Or dude, it's still customers. It's, stuck, it's customer service to me. If you're standing there and they come to you, it's still farming. Even if, you know what I mean? Like, even like, well, like even, I know this is awful to say, but as a car salesperson, you're standing there and they come to you and like, and you know, it's like, you know, they want a car. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, um, you know, some early forays were in real estate, which is you have to get out there and you have to hunt. Um, I did a couple stints in car sales and you're right. The car sales, they come to the lot, right? You don't go out and find clients that way. It wasn't until I did door to door mm. that I really understood one how to get past rejection, but two what going out and hunting looked like. Like I mean, we talked to a hundred people a day, and we knew that ninety of them were going to say no in some various form of aggression. And, <laughs> <laughs> so that you know, and then I went from you know, door to door to, to cold calling businesses. And so that really, you understand the difference between standing on a, on a lot, like you said, waiting for a client to come to you and when you have to pick up a phone or, you know, pick up your feet and go find that, that potential customer. It's, there's a big difference between the two. Yeah. So as I mentioned to you before, we develop a chronology on this show. It's part of what we do. Um, I, I'm going to try to understand as if I'm your therapist, I'll be sending you an invoice. Um, why, why did you end up doing this? I mean, let's go back to, let's go all the way back elementary school. Okay. Were you shy? Were you extroverted? What kind of naturally, you know, kid totally, were you? I'm, I'm by nature introverted. Uh, I was shy. I was awkward. Uh, I mean, I was, uh, real thin. My pants wouldn't stay up. I had to wear suspenders and you know, um, I got made fun of for the suspenders. Uh, right. One of my nick nicknames in high school was Stick Boy um, because I was built like a stick. I mean, I was not popular with the ladies. I was outgoing. I was all the things that you don't want to be in elementary and in high school. Right. And so what – I don't get it. So how did you – what was your first sales job? Uh, real estate, 19 years old. Okay. So you're 19. Are you still skinny? Are you still wearing suspenders? Uh, I was still very thin. Uh, I grew, put on about 25 pounds and grew like four inches the summer after I graduated from high school. So mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't as thin, uh, but you're still talking like a buck 35. Like I was, you know. Yeah. And you get into real estate. You don't go to college then. So I did. Um, I went to community college right out of high school. And what I realized was, especially community college, is like high school with no rules. Mm -hmm. So I had a propensity, me and my best friend, to skip class, to go to the arcade, to go buy new CDs, to go to breakfast. And consequently, after two quarters of not going to class, my grades weren't very well. And they said, shape up or ship out. Um, and my solution to that was, well, I'll just ship out. Right. So, right. Um, and... So I, like, I was living in a small town where I grew up, not a lot of opportunity. I'd always wanted to go into business. And for me, I started looking at, well, how can I get into business at 19 years old with no degree, no education, and there's no real opportunity. And 
pretty much anybody can get a real estate license. So right. I had a friend whose dad was in real estate, um, not in our same town, and, but he was in the big city and was very successful and said, well, I can start here and learn this. And so it took me like three weeks to get my real estate license um, and then got into to real estate and then sucked at it. So Yeah, real estate's like that, you know, <laughs> where people are not sure what they're going to do and they just like, ah, I'll be a realtor. Um, and so you did that, but who wants to buy a house with a 19 year old realtor? It turns out not too many people. <laughs> it's a matter yeah. of that. I, I yeah. with my parents, didn't know anything uh, about owning a house, maintaining a house. You don't, you've never owned a house. I never even lived in a house, my own house. I, <laughs> I like literally living in my parents' house. Um, I mean, it was a small community, so I did make some sales over the course of two years. Because wow. people knew my family, they knew you know who I was through sports and high school and, and the community, so you yeah. know there was some pity sales, <laughs> and, and but the thing with real estate is you're not like there's two aspects of real estate. The biggest part of the sales thing in real estate is you have to sell your name, so people will list with you, and that's how you mm. win the money is getting listings. And I was not good at that. I think I got two listings in the two years where someone was that I trust you enough to sell my house for me. The right. other side is people come and they say, I need to buy a house. And, you know, people walk in the door of the real estate office, people call on the phone, they come to the website. So, you know, as a real estate office, you get opportunities that way. And all you're really doing is you're showing people houses. You don't, you know, they, the house. They either like the house or they hate the house. You don't convince right. them that they need to buy this house. Um, so I was able to make some sales just via the, you know, the, up process the the people coming into the door and saying hey we want to move up move here and we need a house mm -hmm. um, but my selling selling skills of themselves were not not good or developed yeah at 19 i mean how could you possibly yeah nope so all right so 19 to when uh, is the real estate stuff 21 21 and then you, uh, you quit what'd you I do did. My my dad convinced me that I needed to go to college because I wasn't making any money. And right. he got into a uh, heated argument about it, but I agreed. And so I enrolled in, in, at a university. I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to leave. I have to dedicate myself and focus. So I got accepted into university, but I had like four months between then and when I had to go uh, to school. So I went to car sales. And that was my first stint at a car dealership. And yep. these were a couple of old school, you know, second gen salespeople that were hardcore. And yeah. that did not go well for me. Ah, because they just ate you alive or what? I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm literally getting chewed up. Uh, yelled at by the sales manager, by the owners, because the, the, you know you did not let people leave the lot. And here I am, kind of already outside my comfort zone because it's you know I have to put myself out there, and they're aggressive. Like you, you turn people if you can't close them. Like you split the sale and you go. Wow. And so within, I mean, they liked me because I'm I tend to be likable, but. They didn't respect my sales game, which, in retrospect, I didn't respect my sales game. So I don't. Right. Them. But they put me in the used used car lot, like the low 
Berlin, $2,000 under lot. Wow. Where, you know, those, when you're, when you're going onto that lot, and coincidentally, that's the car I drove at that point because I sucked at sales and wasn't making any money. But when you're looking to buy a $2,000 car, it's because you need a car. You don't right. care what the car is. You, you, you know, there's no sales involved in that either. In fact, the hardest part was, of that job was most people didn't, couldn't get approved for financing. So I'm right. bringing in deals, you know, all day long. And I might get one of them approved per week because there's, you know, they don't have any money down. Their, their credit's not great. And how and, much you know, can you possibly be making up a $2,000 car? Oh, uh, yeah, 100 bucks, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing, right? I mean, I, I was literally at that point uh, working for barely above minimum wage, you know, and working car lot hours. So, you know, evenings, weekends. You know, wow, week. Um, yeah, dude, you, yeah, you. I saved a couple bucks for college. Hey, man, I just, I, I, I think it's so important for people to, listeners now and after the fact, um, to understand that the suffering is the brand. Okay, the suffering is the brand. The scars are the brand. Um the we hold on to these scars and not all of them are visible but it is precisely that suffering that we go through that propels us into these incredible things later in life you just got to have this infinite patience to get there and you have to not give up and you have to cry through it and you got to fight through it and you know you just keep going and uh eventually for some crazy reason, it comes together, you know, just you, you can't, life will not continuously rain down hell on you without giving you a reprieve. Like all of that, that you go through, um, it, it's like every tear you shed is, is irrigating the seeds of a better future. It's that sort of thing, you know? And uh, so interesting to me that you went through it because you went through it worse than I did. I taught Spanish and ESL. And I had a couple rough years, dude, because that's sales on a whole different level. You're trying to sell like an eight-year-old that he should learn Spanish, you know, um, just wild. But yes, that's so interesting. So we've got a lot more of your life to cover. Uh, in future episodes, we'll go back, um, get, get more of a sense of those years, those suspender years. We'll get into those a bit more. And then uh, we got a little bit of the, the kind of the early stuff, but that's good. Um, I'm going to pitch the show and then I'm going to give you the final word. Final word. Um, Y'all know the drill. YouTube.com forward slash send it rising is where you can watch the show live. Name of the show. Marketing is a foreign language. 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can also check it out on the Send It Rising Facebook page. Just search Send It Rising Internet Marketing. If you're feeling crazy, you can switch, uh, swing by Twitter at Kellen Kautzman and find it streaming live there. We're streaming on five places simultaneously, including Twitch. Uh, TV. Um, iTunes and Spotify, if you are a podcaster, uh, we had a really good day. The other day we had 33 downloads. No, so far today, 33 downloads. Um, so looking good. And uh, so if you want to listen to the podcast after the fact, iTunes, Spotify, and 10 other podcast platforms, you can do just that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, our guest today, Sean Channel, um, is a sales Jedi, as you can tell. And we're going to give him the final word. What is it, Sean? Uh, I would say if you get the opportunity, especially early in your career, take a sales job. Uh, what I've found over the years is 
what you learn from sales will translate into a lot of areas of your life. Probably the biggest point is being a good salesperson is about being a good communicator and communication impacts every relationship, every component of your life. And so uh, if you can master communication through learning sales, it will benefit you tremendously down the road. Amen. That's so true. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Marketing as a Foreign Language, episode 242. We'll see you next.